Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number... I want to say four. I want to say four. <laughs> I want to say five, but I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, well, 4.5 of Bard's Backlog. We'll check. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> the right number will be on there when we put it up, but... Um, this is Josh Gallegos, of course, at Video Game Bard on Twitter, and joining me, as always, this week, the casual Jared Benson. Jared, Hello, how everyone. are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there, my, my man. It's been craziness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were just telling me a little bit about your work stuff and some very real life issues going on, uh, and of course, the world right now. I mean, this is kind of our COVID update episode. We haven't really touched on it a whole lot nor has it been as serious as it is now in our last episodes um but we can talk about that in just a moment of course like i said this is bard's backlog the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the hall of games jared and i are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game <laughs> candidates i love that <laughs> including today's um Last time when we got together, which was uh, like three weeks now. Um, yeah, three weeks, yep. Yeah, was on Fortnite, of course, the ever-popular, um, ever-prevalent Fortnite. And uh, it, against my best wishes, ended up in the Hall of Games. Although, I I have to admit that it was well worth putting into the Hall of Games. So. Uh, but you guys can go and listen to that episode if you are curious about that. Um and as a part of just the introduction here, and as we're going through getting ready for the episode itself, um, I do want to say, as far as my content is going, um, due to COVID and other life complications, including my being in and out of the hospital, um, the video game bard, as I like to call myself, the suite of products that I was trying to get out this year is just going to have to be delayed for a period of time. Um, I'm hoping to be able to, at some point this year, produce a whole other podcast outside of this one. Um, but with everything going on, I just, it it's not the right time. It's, the season that we're in is kind of a little bit messy. Um, and my own life is a little bit too messy for me to be able to tackle more than one of these at a time. So uh, I just want to say also just publicly, thank you, Jared, for helping me. Um, this has been definitely a strange and difficult place that we're in and your own willingness to help me out on the hosting on the side of this stuff has been awesome so thanks always always my friend yeah um but with that said we're just putting the rest on hold if you are a listener and um have enjoyed the product thus far we will continue to produce bard's backlog um and hopefully in the future you'll see a little bit more from me um, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, of course, you can submit questions to us via Twitter or even any other social media, at least on my side of things. I am at Video Game Bard on both Twitter and Instagram. And then Jared is at Jared T. Ben on Twitter. If you guys could reach him there, he is always on there waxing eloquent about something or other. Um, <laughs> often bothering people and taking uh, them off, but yeah. that's all right. I like the way that you engage, though. I, I've I've been able to because of the fact that I've been engaging with your tweets a little more. Actually, see your stuff more often. Sure, my replies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you always ask interesting things or pose unique questions to people. So, um, always enjoy reading that. And of course, 
you guys can follow us there, submit questions that way, um, specifically for the default segment. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to call out the audience a little bit here because I know that people are listening. I have the metrics on my side. And despite <laughs> despite the fact that people are listening, not a whole lot of people, and by a lot of people I mean nobody, um, is writing in, at least right now, um, over the last couple episodes. So get off your... You're lazy bums. I mean, come on now. Let's let's write in a question. I mean, if there's something that pops into your brain that you're vividly curious about, if there's some um, horrific detail about a game that you want to point out, or maybe something that we said that you want to take issue with, please feel free to write in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we'd like to get your feedback in that way. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast outside of that, I'd say the best way to do that would be through reviews on iTunes. Um that is where a lot of um, push in like advertising comes from them, and then even on other podcast services, um, including Spotify, they they look at those and rate your podcast accordingly. So, I guess just some things to keep in mind as we go on uh, through this, of course, episode of Bard's Backlog, either four or five, whichever one it is. It's so terrible. I should probably know exactly which episode this is, uh, but whatever. It is what it is. We have so many other things to worry about. How has COVID affected you, my friend? So Florida just went into lockdown officially. Um, okay. T- took effect the last night, I think. Either that or it's like tonight or tomorrow night, something like that. This week, official lockdown, Governor DeSantis. And um, that means, I mean, no cars on the road after 5 p.m. unless you're on your way to work or you have, you're an essential worker or something like that. You know, Walmart shuts down even earlier now. Before this, it was shutting down at 8. Mm. Uh, and they only had the one right near me. They only had one entrance open, things like that. It was getting more and more tedious to go about, you know, normal business. So <clears throat> it's been it's been kind of frustrating. Um, it, everyone's on edge. Everyone's got that weird look on, in their eyes. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just I, it's, I, I pictured yeah. it immediately. That's yes. why I laugh so hard. No, you're totally like, right. Because a lot of people don't know who to trust, where to look, and um, so for me, it's affected. Like it's just on my mind all the time. You know how stressful it is to have something on your mind all the time. It's oh. just frustrating. No, I I get it, and it's it's like this ever present thing, and you can tell like other people are like you said the shifty eyes, and um, yeah. it's just becoming. We've been on lockdown for uh, like a week and a half. I think yeah. at this point. So we, we shut down a little earlier. Uh, the shelter in place, I think is the technical one that it's right, called. Yeah, um, yeah. and the effects have been interesting at the same time though. Like I think it's also been somewhat of a healthy kind of setback for people. Um, I can't help but think that, you know, spending more time with things that are valuable, including family, um, is worthwhile. And it definitely gets people to really pay attention to what they actually value. Um, and it's nice to see how people are taking the steps that they need to to make sure that their family members don't get sick, make sure that other people that they know who are more likely to don't get sick. Um, and out here, we have a really big, um, here in Colorado, uh, like fitness atmosphere. A lot of people are, are very much into it. And so I still see people, at least at my nearby park, constantly out and about um, soaking in the sun and kind of doing those things um, because, you know, all the gyms are closed, so they can't necessarily go there anymore. But right. um, I like to look at the positive side of it, I guess. But at the same time, it's just strange times. Strange times we're living in, man. 
I would say the biggest effect that it's had on me is like, you know, like we were talking earlier is last week I worked 85 hours, you know, it's, right. it, it, that is mind boggling to that me. Is, I don't even know. I don't even know how that happened. My boss texted me and was like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure how that happened. That's um, crazy. And that's yeah. just because people's kids are not in school anymore, you know, so that affects the workforce tremendously. You've got millions unemployed. Um, you know, it's it's been crazy. Uh, and I'm an essential worker. And while that's nice, it's also like I don't feel like I fit with everyone else necessarily. So, hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it has been interesting. So you've been helping more like with kids and stuff then? Is that kind of where the extra hours are? No, I was just saying my coworkers have kids out of school, so they have to stay home. So I'm covering a lot of their shifts. Uh, I work with, I work with old people. I'm a home health aide. So, okay. um, I also, you do tutor though, right? You have at least one set of kids that you tutor. Well, I don't really need to now because the kids, because they're online, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't need as much... in a, they're watching class, so they have internet access right there. They can just Google, for the most part, hey, what it is. And it, they've called me, hey, I have a question about this one specific thing. But other than that, you know, um, because it's online, I think the teachers are dumbing down a lot of what they're talking about, too. Right. Uh, and going easier on the kids, too. So Yeah, no, I, I have a lot of teacher friends and been trying to keep updated with them as well. And it's just interesting to see how different schools and colleges are taking the news and adjusting accordingly. And um, it's like... It's like resetting, or like not resetting the society, but kind of like rejigging it in a way where we're having to, as a society, adapt. Um, And it's I'm curious to see how much of it remains after this, because I mean, some of the stuff that's happening is good. Like people are way more aware of their hygiene now, even though I still see dudes picking their nose constantly in cars, Um, (laughs) which is weird to me. I, I I don't get like. Why are you picking your nose? Like, don't you know what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you aware? Aren't you aware? Yeah. But That's funny. Anyway, strange times. And, of course, uh, affecting even our own stuff here, uh, the minor things here on Bard's Backlog. But um, yeah. not affecting our ability to put forth a product, which is what we're going to do today. So, with that in mind, let's jump right into the first segment of this podcast, the games we playing now jared you last week mentioned uh or last time we got together anyway um a little sega genesis you bought the mini console right yeah, yeah, it's this tiny little Sega Genesis. It kind of is like the size of the, your outstretched palm and um, uh, your outstretched hand, and plugs it in. I had to find an AV adapter because <laughs> it's just oh. not that common. And, I mean, it is pixelated as all get out. <laughs> I, was, I was squinting. I'm like, I don't know. Why I'm squinting. This this does not help. But it's got Sonic the Hedgehog games I've never heard of. Like Mr. Balls is one of them. Uh, uh, several Mortal Kombat's, like the first three Mortal Kombat's. Uh, Vector Man. Uh, a lot of these very simple 2D, obviously. Uh, and uh, Jared, the casual, found out that <laughs> he lives up to his name and he is not good at many of them. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was like the biggest question I had was like, have you? What's your experience with retro games and then, like, just in general? You know, not a ton. I, I Retro games, as far as me being a gamer, I only go back as far as the Sony PlayStation okay. 1, the original PlayStation. Right. And even then, that was very short-lived because right around the corner was the Nintendo GameCube uh, and the N64 
um, before that. So, I mean, not not very long-lived there. I never had a PlayStation 2. I never had a Super PlayStation or a PlayStation 3. Um, you know, I just... I, I kind of jump from console to console often um, with the Nintendo uh, wing of things, but not not really huge in the... I mean, I'm the type of guy that can't even get to the second bonus stage on Galaga. So, mm. <laughs> like, I'm not even... I'm just not very good at them. <laughs> so then what drew you, like, to this Sega Genesis console? You know, I just thought, I don't know. I really don't. It Just the way it was branded and advertised, mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed fun. Uh, I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Maybe it can, uh, maybe I'll get some clout with my uncle or something like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> want to hang out with me more <laughs> or something. You know, I, I just thought, you know, this could be unique. This could be cool. This could be fun. Um, who knows? I always look at things like that as a chance for a connection with other people. And so um, that was probably my primary motivation. That's cool. And it's a nice little thing you can kind of like bust out, I'm sure, sure. Uh, at some yeah. point in the future and be like, look at this neat little thing I have. But uh, Look how old this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have the you pixels en- are the size of my thumb. <laughs> yeah. Have you enjoyed like really any of the titles on there? Like truly. You know, I haven't gotten like, through all of them. There's like over 80 of them. Or, wow. There's like, there's like nine pages worth of titles. And that's another thing too. It blows my mind how much they can pack into this little... Thing with modern tech you know mm-hmm. we have so much storage space on tiny micro cards and chips so uh yeah i would say i've enjoyed all of them i'm just not terribly good at them <laughs> okay but the novelty of, i'm sure is is interesting in and of itself oh yeah it's fun for sure cool well um i mean that's that's an encouragement i would say just for people out there who maybe are interested in retro games that they have so many available at like a pretty decent price i'm saying yeah for real for no it's only like 40 bucks for the whole thing wow two yeah. controllers um 60 plus games something like that so i think josh you would get more out of it than i would that's more your like platformers sure. are more your style but right um, and that was more but certainly were... certainly enjoyable all around but i want i want you to tell me about the games you're playing here well, um, I am actually in between a lot of different games right now, um, not the least of which is the game that we're going to be talking about today, but um, one of the main ones that keeps drawing me back and that I have really thoroughly enjoyed over these last few weeks is a game called Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, now, this game has a really unique origin. It's actually a Microsoft game that came out on the Xbox. It was Xbox exclusive. Um, for that period of time that it was on the Xbox and um, definitely gained fans, garnered a little bit of its own uh, cult following. It's a a platformer, I would say a puzzle platformer with light Metroidvania elements, um, and I'm a Metroidvania guy through and through. Um, Really, when I use that term, what I'm thinking of is more like a, a jumping platformer game but with a lot of exploration, a lot of maybe upgrades to your character that are hidden throughout the world. And as you unlock the different upgrades, you get more access to other parts of uh, the world. And this one does that in a lighter way where you're really just improving your own platforming skills. Like you gain a double jump, you gain the ability to cling onto walls, um, you gain the ability to float longer periods of time. And um, it's, it's I call it magical because it is very um fairy tale like and the way that it's presented um and that was really like this heartfelt um emotional journey that um is tied into the game is really what microsoft was going for when they released it um a surprisingly difficult game i wouldn't really suggest it to people who aren't willing to die a lot 
Um, <laughs> because you will die more often than you might think. Um, and the game actually kind of takes this into account. There's a lot of very like high precision jumping that has to happen or a lot of quick decisions you have to make jumping back and forth between um, different obstacles that might be in your way. And the whole thing takes place. Um, you're like a sprite. Um, like a spirit sprite that comes from this like mother tree and the tree itself is getting attacked by um, evil forces and so the forest itself the blind forest the titular blind forest is kind of like dying out um, and it starts out kind of in a sorrowful way where you're the sprites caretaker um, and there's this bond between this caretaker and this I don't know what this thing is it's like this big fat thing that like loves the um, sprite and like feeds it and takes care of it as it grows Um they run out of food uh, because the forest is dying out. And so they um, then you're set out on the adventure to kind of save the the forest. And it's very whimsical in that way and very um, beautiful, just very beautiful in general. But uh, difficult, difficult, definitely something I would be care- wary of purchasing if it's not something you're willing to, to deal with. Uh, but like I said, the game kind of is aware of that. You can kind of drop your own save spot at any point in time. Um, as long as you have enough energy and that has saved me more often than not. And I'm constantly having to drop the save point after getting past a somewhat difficult challenge that pops up or arises. Um, and yeah, that's Ori in the Blind Forest. It's, it's notable. Um, it's well worth the purchase if you're into games like that. Uh, and the fact that it's even on the Nintendo Switch is unique just because it was a Microsoft exclusive. Typically, right. they haven't played nice in the past. But this is one of the games... This one, um, I think Minecraft was their first one that they allowed on other platforms. But this is another one that's kind of like showing Microsoft shifting into maybe more of a uh, uh, universal brand. They're not just sticking to their own um, right. hardware like they have in the past. And it's a great grab, um, really awesome playthrough. So... I've been doing that. I'm not quite finished with it yet. I'm about 80% of the way through and um, looking forward to finishing at that hopefully this week. Um, you have written down here, Jared, Alto's Adventure. What is Alto's Adventure? Is that a part of the pack? No, 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 no. This is a totally separate game. This is a mobile game. Going back to the mobile games again, I've been kind of exploring um, some of the more enjoyable, highly rated mobile games in Alto's Adventure and its uh, follow-up, um, which is Alto's World, I think, um, is a one of the most relaxing, uh, endless run games you okay. will find out there. Wow. Uh, the music is gorgeous. I mean, on par with what we're going to talk about later, which is Joe Hisayashi working with Studio Ghibli, you know, that kind of level of just... But it's simpler and it's smoother, and I would almost say... Um, psychedelic in some senses. Huh. The color schemes are very uh, pastel. Um, the mechanics are super easy to get get used to. The challenges are just enough to for a casual like me to like enjoy getting them done, but it also presents some some difficulty. So you're not just it's not embarrassing how easy it is. Sure, uh, it's it's an endless run snowboard game where you play as Alto as he flies down the mountains of peru i want to say um and it's just very relaxing there's nature sounds in the first game you deal with snowstorms uh thunderstorms so you picture that kind of that music that maybe you fall asleep to with thunderstorm sounds in the background rain uh maybe some gentle wind noises that kind of 
ambiance combined with an endless run snowboard game where occasionally you'll outrun a shaman or you'll have to do as many backflips as you can. And very, very enjoyable, very smooth, very highly rated. Cool. So is it like one of those games where you just have to get in one more run after? Like, depending on how far you get, you might be like, ah, oh, I have just enough time, you know, to jump back into this for just one more run. Does it kind of have that oh, kind absolutely. of motivation? Yeah. It? Oh, absolutely. It is addicting. They'll give you three tasks per run to accomplish, right? And uh, until you beat the game, of course. And um, and on the way, you can unlock a wingsuit that allows you to fly even further. You can unlock a magnet that draws coins to you, that kind of thing. And so, yes, very to answer your question, yes, because you're thinking, oh, I can get all three in this next run. I can get the last one in this next run. So for sure. Nice. Those are the kind of games that I enjoy. On the mobile front for me, I've been playing a lot of Bejeweled. Have you ever played Bejeweled? Oh, I love Bejeweled, yeah. Yeah, it's just been a nice little, like, the match three aspect and, like, just even uh, the bright colors and everything has just been easy for me to kind of, like, just do on the side while I'm taking a dump or something, you know. Simple, what I love like about it. those games, yeah, that, or, or, you know, or listen to a podcast like Bard's Backlog while you play. <laughs> hey, hey, I like that plug. <laughs> right? There. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about games like that. Alto's Adventure is the same way. If you do decide to turn off the music, which, I mean, it's part of the experience, um, but if you do decide to turn it off, it's a simple enough game to play while you listen to a podcast or watch it, watch, you know, listen to music or something. Okay, cool. Uh, to wrap up this little segment of the podcast here, I just want to take note and say that I have been playing and putting a lot of my time into Apex Legends. Um, <laughs> the line that you have here makes me laugh. Most of my time has been spent dropping hot in Apex. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I you love drop it. into them hot zones, and then you go and you fight. That's like that's the way I like to do it because you the rounds are a little quicker that way. Lots of people try to play it safe in battle royales and land somewhere where there aren't people. Sure. Uh, yeah. I want that action, you know. So dropping hot is what I like to do, um, right into the places where there's high loot or what have you. Um, most of the time I die, so unless I have a good squad around me. Um, but Apex Legends, we've noted it before on the podcast. Of course, it's a free-to-play battle royale that you can download on modern consoles, um, and it is fantastic. I, I mean, I could talk about it all day, and I'm not going to. Hopefully, at some point, we can cover it ourselves. For sure. Um, as one of the games um, in our backlog. But it is um, really notable in the realm of Battle Royales because of its world, the way that it's built. The characters um, are all fleshed out and inventive, um, very much like the game Overwatch, if you've played that. Um, it's all character-based. And Apex kind of steals aspects of that. Each of your characters has their own abilities, um, and the abilities are all very tactical and can be and can make the match or break um, the match, especially as you're facing off against other squads of three. Um, and I've just been loving my time with it recently. My wife is actually even more addicted to it than I am. She Uh-oh. constantly... <laughs> it's like her de-stressor at the end of the day. She hops on. Sure. She's actually a lot better than me, um, funnily wow. enough. Um, and I've been... That's the game I've been using to do my streams, um, part of the video game bard suite of products. Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay at it, and I, I do pretty well depending on uh, who I get um, lined up with me in my squad because it is squad-based. So if you get a couple of jerks or a couple of people who aren't going to be playing nice, uh, it can be frustrating. But um, 
yeah, I've just been loving the game even more and more recently. It's on its fourth season. Uh, we talked about Fortnite and how they have like their seasonal content. Right. Uh, Apex is on season four, and they have a bunch of new additions like the Evo Shields. Um, they have access to their original map, Kings Canyon, right now. Uh, little things like that just really keep the game consistently fresh, um, despite the heavy competition that is in the uh, battle royale genre these days. Um, and yeah, that's that's the other game I've been really putting my time into. Uh, but with that in mind, those have been the games we're playing. Of course, um, if you guys are interested in those types of games, a- Apex is free. I would really highly recommend that. And then um, is Alto's Adventure a free game? Uh, I don't remember. I feel like it used to be, and now it costs like two ninety nine. Okay, I I got it when it was free a while ago, and I just re-downloaded it because gotcha. I mean, once you've downloaded, it's yours. But um, per- personally, I'm I'm kind of a fan of the ones that you can purchase on mobile because a lot of them are built with um kind of like microtransactions in mind or like they have egregious amounts of ads. That's the one thing that really ruins my bejeweled experience. Yes, yes I'm with you. It's just ad upon ad. So the ones that you can purchase, I tend to even have a little more faith in their quality. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed. Um, and maybe I'll look into getting Alta's adventure. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the default segment for this week. And for this segment, I really just wanted to take some time and and get us into the mood for our game uh, of the week, which has a very anime-esque flair. And just to keep it simple, because Jared, you and I have a great relationship around anime. We're constantly uh, updating each other on the stuff that we're watching and uh, giving our impressions on things. I, I really wanted to, like, first kind of ask you, like, what... What what's the draw for you to the genre that is anime? You know, that's a good question. I think because um you know, I really like eastern culture with the sense of it's so interesting how they balance humility and honor on a knife's edge. You know, mm. it's very much, you know, that's a very interesting concept to me as uh, someone who finds, you know, the highly individualized society of American culture sometimes off-putting. Because it's very me before you at times. You sure, know? sure. Um, so for anime, it seems to me that a lot of characters, they try to write them as truly selfless and that the enemy is often someone who's simply selfish. And it's that simple of a juxtaposition. Hmm. Um, so for me, the philosophical um, background of a lot of the way anime is written and also to the fantasy world, you know, it's expensive to create a fantasy world. Even the most high budget movies like Transformers of a, you know, to give a Western example are like so high budget and they're so obnoxious that it, it crashes their computers. It's so high def. The first movie came out and actually crashed their computers when they tried to run um, the, the animations through and the whole film and put it all together. Huh. They had to get more, um, ram but with with animation with anime specifically the world is endless because it's simple it's 2d um not a lot of cg hopefully because it's almost never done well (laughs) um but the world is so much more big because it is it does it's not afraid to be more low budget so there's a lot of draw but those are two of the big ones is that it expands my mind and it also reminds me of like the best parts of human nature 
I agree. No, that's that's a really good way of looking at it. And a lot of anime is upbeat. It's enjoyable. A lot of even the ones that are darker, you have someone who is fighting for the light. Sure. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I know that you could talk my head off about anime, and uh, yes, <laughs> I, I, so you gotta love, stop me. I love that about you, and I love that about just like our relationship. It's something as we get older that um, I don't know. I just appreciate that you're even able to recognize and see the parts of it that are valuable. Um, Cause a lot of people just kind of write it off. I would say. Yes. Um, and I'm glad that you let me text you at three 30 AM with like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. Um, so with that in mind, um, after I've picked your brain very briefly about that, what anime just off the top of your head, would you recommend to someone who might be interested in maybe checking it out for the first time? You know, the the one that you mentioned, I'll let you get to that. But aside from that one, which is a great pick, um, it kind of just depends on the person. If they're looking for a fantasy adventure and they're okay with the concept of magic and they have, want really strong, compelling characters, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is top of the line, top notch. Um, if they really liked Avengers, I'd say My Hero Academia. If they're looking for something a little bit more dramatic, and this is the last one I'll suggest because I don't want to just go on and on, but if they're looking for something a little bit more dramatic, I'd say Toradora is a really good emotional roller coaster that's definitely worth the time you put in for that one. Okay. I I would say, I like a little caveat, Full Metal Alchemist especially can be very dark. Um, sure. Especially right towards the beginning, yeah. The beginning especially. And I, actually, that's what I got to, and then I never went past that. I can understand that. Um, yep. So I, it might get a little bit more upbeat and exciting as it goes on, but uh, that would just be a, a fair warning. My hero is, I think, one of the like best stories being told in this TV generation. Yes, I agree. So big, big um, recommendation there, and it's one that's incredibly accessible. Like if you like superheroes, you'll like it. You know, and it's even being better told of a tale than I would say a lot of the other superhero tales that you might get on like a Netflix or a Hulu are being told. So, um, well worth a recommendation for sure. I always go back to, um, sword art online. And part of that I think is because of its tie into video games. Yes. Um, it just has a really cool idea that's driving it the entire time. And that is like actually living inside of a video game. Yeah and um, becoming that character with real live stakes where if you die um, in the game, you die in real life. And it's it's really cool the way that they pull it off. Um, but I also often recommend that to people because it was the first one that I got into and um, I was able to kind of wrap my head around just like how anime works, the idea of like the beginning song kind of like being its own unique flair. Like they take pride in that intro. Um, each anime that I've watched, like that's almost one of the bigger parts, like of their um, personality that may come across for sure. Um, and just the the ebb and flow of the twenty minute episodes, I think it's just a really good standard. Some might even call it vanilla. Um, start to getting yourself into anime. Uh, so that's Sword Art Online. Do you recommend all? I haven't seen it all, so I can't. But do you recommend watching all of Sword Art Online or would you just recommend the first portion? You know, that's a good question. Uh, same thing about, you know, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Ferret Caveat can get dark. The same thing happens with Sword Art Online. Um, for whatever reason, the writer of Sword Art Online had kind of a specific 
image of what a villain looks like and it keeps to it keeps recre- recreating itself in every version of Sword Art Online every season it's the same type mm. of villain every single time and just fair warning it does get dark it does get a little creepy um cringy so you know but 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 aside from that the first 13 episodes i think of Sword Art Online are tremendous and the first 13 episodes of the second season are also really really good okay cool well um, that was the default segment for us this week, and with that in mind, let's jump into the pick of the week, and that is Nino Cooney, Wrath of the White Rich. Nino Cooney, Wrath of the White Witch, White Witch. La, I cannot say those. <laughs> I keep wanting to say White Rich, but uh, this just a lot of W's. Uh, was released originally in 2011 on the PlayStation 3. It's a JRPG, um, which stands for Japanese Role Playing Game, created by Level Five Games, and most notably, and where a lot of its claim to fame comes from, is that it features art direction and animations from the acclaimed team at Studio Ghibli. Yes. Um, now, Jared, I think we should probably be a little bit honest up front here. How much of the game did you actually play? You know, I'll I'll just be to be honest with you. Vacation, COVID nineteen. I'm I'm already making excuses. So you know, it's going to be bad. Uh, I didn't get very far. I, I got a couple hours into the game. Out of ninety total hours of you know created content, I only got a couple hours in. I feel like that's enough to give me like the tip of the iceberg, and I could talk about it from that perspective. But honestly, yeah, it's it's uh that's about as far as I got. Life has been pretty busy. <laughs> Certainly no um hit against the game. That's just how my life has been recently. Okay, so it's more like. Tied like it wasn't necessarily because of the game itself no, not being certainly appealing. Not. I'm de- okay. I'm planning on finishing the thing for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, I I would like to finish it too. To be perfectly honest, I didn't get near the end either. I think I put in probably twenty to twenty five hours there total. Yeah. Um. So I was able to see a lot of what the game is trying to do. Um. But I I just want to put that out up front, just so that people that are aware. You can take what we're saying with a grain of salt. For sure. Because we haven't necessarily experienced the entire game. But I, I quite honestly was satisfied with what I experienced. I don't know if I'll end up ever seeing the credits roll. But um, I like I like the game for a lot of reasons, which we're going to talk about. Um, but first and foremost, I think the biggest thing is its, it's Ghibli roots um, in the world itself. I would say the game is very the very definition of heartfelt um very emotional game when the game starts off um you start it starts off innocently enough um you're playing as the character named ollie and he's the young boy in a regular world and it quickly turns tragic which um is very signature with a lot of um you know younger films i think sometimes uh and the death of his mother comes into play which serves as the catalyst for the rest of the events uh what did you think of the opening uh first couple hours jared you know i enjoyed it tremendously i you know as the game went on i kept thinking to myself more ghibli more ghibli more ghibli and it it ended up being you know um 20 minutes I think throughout the whole game, from what I remember, is 20 minutes worth of cutscenes that Ghibli made, which is still like four months of production. And considering that it comes from a studio whose owner, you know, uh, 
you know the Ghibli owner. Now I'm, now I'm blanking on his name. That's embarrassing. But he doesn't actually. It's l- like Miyazaki. Yeah, right? Miyazaki. That's right. He doesn't actually like video games. So for him to kind of put his heart and soul into this, you can really feel that they had the same vision when they mm. open the game up and Ali, you know, is forced to take up a mantle that his mom you know, she passed on. He's only 13, you know, and you really yeah. feel that. And you really like Ollie. Ollie's a very likable character. So he is. I'm, I'm all about, I think they handled the opening of the game excellently. Yeah, I agree. And, and I would say, um, the whole game itself, and especially as you go further in, um, it's very Ghibli light in that it's mystical. There's a lot of magical things going on. It's very whimsical yep. and, and upbeat. And there's even like actual gameplay ties in, um, to the idea of hearts, um, yes. and hearts are kind of this governing factor even in the gameplay itself, um, and it's it's great. I, there's plenty of mystery too, especially as it starts off. You kind of like are seeing characters like Starry Mary. I remember is like this person who ends up coming back a little bit later, um, and um, Mister Drippy, who starts out as a doll and ends up being he calls himself the Lord High Lord of the Fairies, which is double Lord for some reason. Not sure why. <laughs> um, he's an awesome character, and he's really actually I would say he's kind of the carries the heart and soul of the game. I, I think he's Scottish. I think. I think I so. I, yeah, I think it's Scottish. Yeah. It's got a very specific, um, and that was another thing I liked about it, is that a lot of the characters have very specific voices um, and very um, fun voices. And Mr. Drippy, um, who is your companion throughout the entire game, um, is just a total gem and a, really a scene stealer throughout. And he borders um, so. he borders on like really encouraging to like very condescending very easily. <laughs> yeah. Like he switches between the two very fast. <laughs> Yeah, he does this thing a little later that I thought was hilarious. Um, they are trying to take um, this... There's volcanic eruptions that are occurring, and they're trying to go solve the volcanic eruptions, and he tells them that they only have three minutes um, to do it before it finally explodes. And when they get to the top, he tells them that that was a lie, and he was just trying to motivate them. <laughs> um, and I thought that was hilarious. Little things like that are just like... it's The game is really just bursting with Ghibli, I call it Ghibli light because it's not all studio Ghibli, but Ghibli character. Um, and really just takes off in that certain aspect of it. The game is, Um, the game is Ghibli light is a great term for it. Um, and I think Ghibli too, Ghibli light, I'll say in the sense that like, uh, Mizaki's name is on this product and they really mm-hmm. went above and beyond to make it clean, smooth. Uh, there's not a glitch in the game. Everything works really well as far as functionality, but the look of it too. Um, they spent weeks, if not months, animating Ollie's cape that he gets at the beginning of the game so that it would flow naturally. And if you look sure. too, when Ollie w- runs down uh, some steps, like he actually like does what you and I do. He steps down the steps, like his fists come into his sides and he like steps with his knees moving. Whereas when he gets on a flat, he's running, you know, light jog. And the attention to detail there is very, like it's throughout the whole game. It's a very beautiful game. It's very well done mechanically too. I think it's, yeah, it, it's the attention to detail that really just wraps this whole thing up into a nice right, yeah. family-friendly package. Um, and the way that the world is tied into the fact that it is a video game, like you are playing this, 
Um, but the world itself just really bursts through in every aspect of it, even in the menus, in the things that Ollie has to carry alongside him, including a compendium of the world's lore. Um, I don't yeah. know if you actually looked into that at all, but there are some like actually riveting tales that are told in the actual um, little book that you're, I, I think it's just his wizard book or something. Yeah. I don't think there's a specific name for it, but um, it makes the world just feel alive and steeped in its own history. Um, now, Nino Kuni itself means second country, uh, based on what I was looking up, um, or the country of two. So it's this idea of parallel worlds. So you got Ollie's world, and then you've got the magical world which is where most of the tale takes place. But they're tied together. A lot of the characters have um, a parallel character character in the other world. Um, and it's a common fantasy trope, and I think one that's done while here. I agree. Um, they play on that really well in the fact that you jump between the worlds to accomplish your goal. And I, I agree. It's very well done. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the biggest draw I think of this game and and immediately I, I would say this is a family friendly game this is a game that kids would love um, something that you could maybe even play with your kid um, and both enjoy enough yeah because speaking of the game itself and the gameplay itself uh, the game is surprisingly difficult um, and pushes back quite a bit now it is a JRPG in the modern sense and what I mean by that is it's combat where you're it's combat heavy and you're going on um certain you face certain encounters with certain enemies but within the within the encounter itself instead of it just being like you pick your move and you attack and then the other person picks their move and they attack you're both doing it at the same time yes. i call it a mix between live action and the actual command inputs you're putting right. into um so it's modern feeling in that way and it actually makes the game feel quite fluid um, and I enjoyed it quite a bit, but it's aimed, I would say, at that in that place in particular, aimed at an older audience um, in the way that the gameplay kind of plays out. And it can be very difficult. I mean, you said yourself that was partially kind of why you've taken a step back, right? Yes. Uh, you know, when we, when we had first picked it up a while ago, I'd hit a road bump because of how difficult it was so early on. I was like, what? Because I had intentionally gone and tried to amp up my character. I'd spent all my money to like get better weapons to kind of make my journey easier just because I wanted to play this game and enjoy it. And that's often easier to enjoy when the game is slightly easier especially for me as like the cash so <laughs> but yeah it was surprisingly difficult yeah i a lot of jrpgs um kind of force you to grind and the ones that are the best um at kind of balancing that will kind of make you feel like you're slowly getting better as the game gets more difficult this one has a very steep curve i would say yeah. and it continues like um as i keep going on the game has still like the challenges jump incredibly high depending on where you are and you do kind of have to go back and grind a little and gain extra abilities and go back and spend your money on um different things to boost your character like weapons and armor and whatnot um, so that can be a bit of an off-putting thing and definitely something that I would keep in mind if you are playing this with a kid. Um, just be aware they may need help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
the game itself, uh, the overworld is set up like an old JRPG. So, and I thought that was kind of funny. You're kind of the same size as some of the villages that you see, at yeah. least on the outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as you get to them, of course, you can find these vibrant places where there's a lot of characters and stuff going on. And the towns themselves, I love just how living they feel. Yes. How interesting all the different nooks and crannies are. Absolutely. And um, I also like, I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of the side quests are not forced upon you. Um, when you stumble across them, they're not necessarily... Um, like, a lot of games are kind of built on side quests being these things that um, are not only necessary for your character, but can kind of be like fetch questy, where you're sure. kind of just going and doing something for no good reason. Right, right. This game has those, but it's not really forced on you, and really you don't need to um, engage with them any more than you you have to. Um, and when you do, the reward is there. You get a lot of stuff out of it, including meeting a lot of interesting and kooky characters. Um, so I, I really liked that aspect of the gameplay itself. Um, and like I said, a lot of the game itself is contextualized within the world. Um, so even your backpack, the telling stone is what they call this guy who's like full of all the tutorials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that really helps this whole thing just feel like this vibrant, magical, mystical, fantastical uh, other country. And um, thoroughly enjoyed those aspects of it for sure. I don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about um, as far as the gameplay is concerned. If that, the way that it's been described appeals to you, um, I definitely recommend playing through the game. If this is something, like if you've never played a JRPG, I would be careful and wary about jumping into this one because of the difficulty spikes. Um, and if you've played JRPGs maybe in the past and you didn't like the um, the command input aspect of it where you kind of take turns fighting each other. Right. This is a nice blend between the two. Um, so that might be something that's interesting for you. I see that you have um, in your notes here that it's compared to Pokemon, and I was actually going to say that too. You know, it, it will remind you of co- Pokemon just in the, the sheer number of familiars that you have, the fact that they mm-hmm. level up or evolve, if you wanted to say, and also to the command input as well. You know, for me as someone who's, new to jrpgs it kind of was frustrating at first the mechanic that like when one of your characters dies like you also die like hp is shared you know Mm, um which is something that to be honest to be very frank is new to me and so that was a little frustrating at times um and i would also like to say that the game you know kind of having you jump back and forth at times felt tedious but as is the case with with most video games that make me like move around manually i can't just fast travel everywhere like i you know maybe used to in breath of the wild or skyrim or something like that when they make me trap like traverse the world i enjoy it more um and so at first i thought it was tedious i feel like i remember telling you that but i do i would recommend it for sure to someone who's looking for um a, a ghibli light uh adventure with an innocent and enjoyable protagonist <laughs> And I gotta say, like, uh, getting back to the Ghibli light aspect, if if you don't know what we're talking about, of course, Studio Ghibli is well-renowned for their animated movies. Legendary. Um, Absolutely. Legendary, and they're gorgeous, all of them. Um, and they're also um, family-friendly and whimsical and um, have a lot of ideas of, um, like, the, like, a lot of times, like, loss of innocence, I think I've, yep. like, noticed, or, yep. like, how mysterious the world can be and even frightening in its own way. Um, and that is just built into this game's design at a fundamental level. 
and it's the characters that make this world come alive. Like the character design itself is top notch. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, and I have there written down like, look no further than Mr. Drippy, who is. <laughs> I love him. Like I love that guy so much. He he makes me laugh consistently, and his Scottish accent is always coming out, and he's always saying a little interesting things. And I like that they even spell out the words. Yeah. As <laughs> it bit sounds. feisty in it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and it's you know it's like bit feisty in it, and it like the like isn't it? You know he says in it, and it's e n apostrophe yeah. i t. <laughs> it's great, and and even the common monsters, like you kind of said, like if you're comparing it to Pokemon, um, there's there's a huge appeal in Pokemon because of the monster design, yeah. and this game competes yeah. like on that level. Yep. With just a lot of interesting and funny characters, um, and a lot of them have like goofy names, and uh, it's just it's pleasant. It's just a genuinely pleasant game, absolutely pleasantly designed. Yep. Um, and you brought up earlier the um, cutscenes, uh, which I think are just like great and and thoroughly surprising because I don't think the game's well. Maybe the game does start out with a cutscene, but um, as I kept going in, whenever there was a big character moment or a big story moment they took the time yep. to fully animate it yep. um, and put it in the game. And those moments really just make the whole thing stand out even more. Um, and you can see the Ghibli hand, especially, of course, coming from the studio um, in those moments, especially. Yeah, you're right. I, I really did, as I was playing, like, more Ghibli, more Ghibli, more animated cutscenes, you know, but it really does set apart the special moments um, in the game when you have an animated cutscene from just kind of the normal, you know, here's what's happening next kind of thing. So I'm with you. Yeah. And it's not the only game that does that. Right. Um, Persona five is really um, like uses animation and animated scenes well in its own way. But the fact that this is like a younger, um, like a a younger toned game um, and the fact that it like commits, I think to the high quality in a way that just clicks is really admirable. I'd say there's a good combination of just like reading the text on the screen, but then also hearing the characters talk and then having the fully fleshed out cutscenes. And it just really makes me want this game to be something that I could experience as either a series or as a movie. Like I would love to be able to, and, and persona five does that. And maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Persona five has its own anime. Um, each of the personas, I believe at least up till up to three have, um, their own like series built completely separate from the game. I would love it if Nino Kuni did the same thing. Cause that's how interesting this world is. Um, so I guess, just to wrap things up, as we begin to um, talk a little bit more about whether or not this game should be entered into the Hall of Games, um, I do want to say, even even if you're not a Ghibli individual, uh, would you say this game is worth the purchase, Jared? Yeah. No, I to- you, I, you had said something along the lines of, it's a good bang for your buck, and I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, and, and it's it's older, um, but you can't tell because of the way that the game is is designed. You really um, can't, yeah. And that's that's notable and worth saying because you could drop. I think the game typically is only forty dollars. Um, a lot of the times you'll find it in sales. Like I purchased mine during a sale for I think five dollars, and that's bang for your buck. You get fifty hours of like mainline gameplay, and then you also get another plus 40 like you said of just extra content on top of it yep. um 
well worth the purchase if you're even lightly interested in what we've talked about thus far. And I would also say any self-respecting Ghibli fan uh, would be serviced well and should purchase this game for if you're sure. even mildly interested yep. because it's it's at that quality. Um, would you would you say, Jared? Though, despite all these things, and despite the fact that we haven't even finished the game, <laughs> that it is worth entry into the Hall of Games. You might hate me for this, <laughs> and feel free to uh, chastise me later. But I, I'm gonna be totally blank with you. Like I looked up JRPG earlier. Um, it, it, you know, uh, Google says the top 20 JRPGs you must play: Final Fantasy, Illusion of Gaia, Lunar, Nino Kuni, Fantasy Star, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy, Xenogears, Legend of Heroes, and it goes on and on. Earthbound. I have not played any of these. You know, and so for me, I really have nothing to compare it to. I haven't even played Kingdom Hearts, hmm. and I really am not, you know, a Pokemon buff. So I'm gonna have to defer to you, Josh, if that's okay. If you think it okay. should be in there, I totally, I'm with you because I like the game. I, I really like it, but I really have nothing to compare it to. Whereas with Fortnite, I can compare it to Apex or PUBG or you know other battle royales. I really, I can't. I don't have a frame of reference for this game, so I have to kind of defer here. So is this your first JRPG then? You know, it might be. I uh, Like I said, I haven't played Kingdom Hearts and I haven't played any Final Fantasies. Um, I haven't played Earthbound. I'm kind of looking. Uh, I've played RPGs, but, um, you know, not really, you know, I think so. Well, I, I, I then defer back to you real quick then. Would you say as a first excursion into the idea of a JRPG that this is a good one? You know, as far as the story goes... 10 out of 10 as far as the mechanics i think i think i need to play more to be honest with you they seem okay. like i had said you know a little uh, i'll say quote unquote unfair to me and the the difficult <laughs> <laughs> the difficulty spike was a little disheartening at first because you know i i do like to relax and enjoy my games for the most part especially when i know i'm in it for the long haul this is going to be 50 hours minimum of my time you know what i mean so um, right. i i was a little disappointed in the mechanics not that there's anything wrong with them it just it's it's just uh, it's been an extra sharp learning curve for me so i do like it and i i wouldn't have a problem with it if you were to you know pop it into the hall of games well i would say like the game's design and world itself um really just stand on their own two feet yeah. in a way that few JRPGs do. Um, I could totally. And yeah. even those games that you were listing off, like games you must play, um, I like a lot of those. I, I see as uh, off-putting to someone who wouldn't, who would be kind of maybe semi-interested and like, oh yeah, I've heard of the JRPG before, like that genre. Let's check it out. Um, a lot of those would buff you even more so than this game. Um, so with that, all that said, I really do believe this is a high quality JRPG, one of the best you could purchase. And for that reason, I say it's entered into the Hall of Games. I like it. So, uh, ka-chunk! With that in mind, <laughs> the game is in our Hall of Games. So Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, a fantastic game. I will say be wary of the second game. I have heard, I have not played it yet. Um, I do own it. I own way too many games. I have like <laughs> a ginormous backlog. Um, but I would say be wary of the second one. I've heard that one's not nearly as good. Um, but this one, there's just a special, there's a special feeling to it, man. Like I, I can't even fully explain it here, but um, it's just, it got the fantastical whimsy that I was hoping it would get. Mm. And it nails it on the head. Um, and it's a fairly 
like challenging game to boot, which I like. Um, I like the challenge, and I like the fact that it's it's willing to push back on you, maybe a little bit too much at times, and it does get to be a bit grindy where you have to go and kind of up your character a little bit. Um, but it's it's so like joyous of a game, mm-hmm. and like I said, heartfelt. Um, that it's it's worth the time that you put into it. It really is. Yep. Um, so with that in mind. This has been episode 4.5 of Bard's Backlog. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Again, you guys can reach us on Twitter um, at Video Game Bard for me and Jared at Jared T. Ben. And uh, we will all see you next time. Thanks for listening.